0: Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. You could say that one single can of corn changed the life of today's guest, Agatha Achindu, and actually not just her life, but the lives of hundreds of people that she has helped along the way. When Agatha arrived in the United States 33 years ago, Agatha was shocked to discover corn in a can. Why not just cook the corn? She asked it could take a few minutes at most. So that question, along with a true love of cooking that she experienced from her youngest years, and a simple desire to make people happy and healthy through food nudged her out of her career in it where she was making a good living and onto a new path agatha began to help her friends then soon her clients solve their chronic health problems by teaching them how to identify their nutritional deficiencies and come up with a plan for correcting those deficiencies Across her career, she has earned a certification from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She founded Yummy Spoonfuls, which was the first nationally distributed frozen organic food for kids in the United States. And most importantly, again, she has helped hundreds of clients solve their chronic health problems. And now she has distilled her many years of expertise into a beautiful cookbook that can help thousands more people. The cookbook is titled Bountiful Cook wholesome everyday meals to nourish you and your family and I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy which I read and enjoyed and photographed and am sharing with you today. Now none of this would have been possible without Agatha's first 23 years of her life in a seaside town of Cameroon. There, her father worked to develop and distribute life-saving vaccines. And her mother was a scholar turned farmer who owned and worked a profitable plantation many miles from their home. Together, Agatha's forward thinking parents instilled in her a belief in her own potential and in the power of education and her community taught her everything that food could be a time of happiness, connection, health, and healing. Food can't be a time of happiness, but eating together can be a time of happiness. I'm delighted to dive deep into all of this with Agatha today, and I am absolutely thrilled that you are here to listen with us. Thank you so much. You know, what I always say is on, I I really encourage people to buy your cookbook and read it because it is full of Uh, scientific information, it's full of great recipes. Um, And so people can buy your cookbook and read it. So I don't necessarily want to like rehash what's in it as much as I want to find out about, you know, only one person can ever create a a specific piece of work. And so only you could write this cookbook. And I want to know what led to that, you know, what made you that person. And so um, as far as I can tell, that really is rooted very, very deeply in your childhood in Cameroon, would you agree with that?
1: One hundred percent. Yes.
0: Mm, mm. Okay. So, tell us all about it. Let's start really broad, and we'll we'll narrow in. So, first, tell us about Cameroon. Um, Tell us, again, like I am ashamed often of my geography. My global geography is abhorrent. (laughs) It's terrible. So tell us about um, what Cameroon looks like, what it feels like um, to live there, what the landscape is like. Of course, it's a large country, so that's going to vary. And then how that affects particularly um, like the agriculture there and and
1: the farmland. So let's start. And broadly, of course, so... Because depending on who you're talking to, Mm. they'll tell you that Cameroon is in West Africa. Mm. And there is another group that will say Cameroon is in Central Africa. (laughs) And that's just how we have lived with it forever. I introduce myself, like I'm from West Africa. But if you're looking at the African map,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Cameroon is literally, I used to explain Mm. to people like, oh, Cameroon is at the side belly. But yeah. <laughs> my brother told me, like, oh no, at the ninetieth angle, yes, where it drops into the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. that's where Cameroon is. I'm like, that's detail. But that's if you look at the African map, mm-hmm. the, right towards the ocean, you see Cameroon. Yes, so it's- we, we we border with um, Nigeria. Yep. With Equatorial Guinea. Um, yep. and then with Chad.
0: Yes, you turn and the corner. If you're going north and turn the corner to go west, it's <laughs> like you just go right through Cameroon.
1: I I don't know if you've heard this uh-huh. or if some listeners, Cameroon is known as Africa in miniature. Oh, I really? Don't know if you've heard that. Yes. Oh. There is a fun fact. There are mm-hmm. lots of big things why Cameroon is called that. But the fun fact that always gets to me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: When you turn the, the map of Cameroon upside down, uh-huh. Oh. It looks like the map of Africa. It does. Doesn't Especially
0: it? It, yeah, it really does. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, that is pretty Cameroon cool.
1: Why Cameroon is called Africa in miniature. When when you look at the landscape in Cameroon, Mm -hmm. it has a bit of what's happening in other parts of Africa. Mm. We have the desert plains in the north side of Cameroon. Mm -hmm. We have the the rainforest in Cameroon still. Mm. We have the mountains in Cameroon. We have the savannah. Really? Yes. So that's where's the where's the
0: savannah? That's the one part I'm not seeing on the map. Is that?
1: Oh, you, it's the it is in the. The central side in Cameroon. So if you look at hold on, let me as we're talking, let me let me pop my map. Okay. that way I can.
0: This is, see it's all. I always have to start with the geography because so
1: much flows yeah. from geography. Oh yes, and about that, Cameroon. We're bilingual, right? So, we oh. linguistic, it's one of the countries that we have both English and French. Like in oh. the Ivory Coast, it's a French country, right? Mm, Gabon, right? Chad, but Cameroon. If you come to Cameroon, you would hear both. I see English and French.
0: And is that because the Nigeria side is English speaking and the?
1: Uh, no, I wish it was that simple. So no. <laughs> we were, we were colonized by mm-hmm. both the French and the British.
0: Okay, so everybody was fighting over something. What were they yes. fighting over in Cameroon? So
1: we were part of Cameroon was a colony to the French, and the other side uh-huh. was to the British. So it's totally a bilingual,
0: wow, a bilingual country. Wow, I see. And there must be really um, prolific natural resources there for them to be fighting so hard over it.
1: It is. And thank goodness. I mean, the fighting now is not as... We want Mm. to say we got our independence, I believe, in 1960. So we semi-have control. But yes, and again, one of the (laughs) unique qualities... Mm. of Cameroon as Africa in miniature we have all the natural resources that you find in different places we have Mm. it might be in little quantities or large quantities we have Mm. oil we have gold we have iron of course and then the food side like coffee cacao and you know so Cameroon is really if you come to Cameroon you feel a little bit of everything Mm. there is diversity in in the people Mm. in in the landscape which means we can grow foods that you can see in South Africa in Nigeria oh wow in the Middle East foods that you can see in all these places Mm. you would easily find in Cameroon just because of the diverse vegetation that we have from all these different landscapes that we have
0: i see i see and you have coastland as well yes we do mm. we do and i also see there's quite a few large lakes
1: we do and we have so we have mountains we have the rainforest wow. that we've already mentioned we have in the north north we have the desert plains so it's so dry mm. there just in Camondia there are areas you go that's like oh this is super, like you are some somewhere else, not in Cameroon. And wow. then we have, of course, we have the rich wildlife, which is the savannah terrains.
0: Mm, I yes. see. I see. And what part did you grow up in?
1: So I grew up by the coastline. It's wow. now called Limbe. But when I was growing up, it was known as Victoria.
0: Not Victoria Falls. Those are in Uganda.
1: No, Victoria. As, I see. As the town. The name of the was, city. Yes.
0: I see. Victoria. And now it's it's Limbe? Is that? Oh, I'm just yes. going to spell now it so I can called, put it in the notes.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. Now it's called Limbe.
0: Okay. That's Is that L-I-M-B-E?
1: Yes. L-I-M-B-E.
0: Yes. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Okay. That way I can yes. include that in the notes. Okay. And describe okay. Limbe for us.
1: So Limbe... When you think of Limbe, when I was growing up, the thing that always will come to my mind mm. is just being able to walk to the waterfront mm. and see the fishermen who come with fish. And wow. then you have the ladies and some men roasting fresh fish, mm. right? Outdoor, till this day, you mm. can go to, da- that area is called Down Beach. Mm. You can go there and this Same scenario that I'm painting Mm -hmm. is still the same. The canoes will come. They would offload fish. Fish will be roasted with plantains, with meander, and people just go and buy. Mm. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. But because it's by the pot, I mean, this is by the water. So you have people from different parts of the world in in Yombe.
0: Wow. Yes, J- just a bustling um it, metrop- is. Mm. it
1: is, and it's. I love, I love the breeze at home. Mm. I have a video that I think I shared that video two years ago. Mm-hmm. I literally was running, and I th- the caption was, "I remember running on this street, forty four years ago or something," mm. and I was running barefooted and just like. Th- throwing my dress up it just felt so good to be back home but mm. that's that's Victoria Olimbe you can walk to you can walk to the beach you have the freshest mm. absolutely freshest seafood mm. as mm. a matter of fact until I came here and of course I've been here for a long time so it's not like I just came mm-hmm. so things have changed mm-hmm. but until I moved to the United States in 1990 I had never had frozen fish. Wow. Because fish was, yes, you just, you, you go, you get fish. And the way we would preserve fish, if we're not eating the fish the day or the next day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we would smoke the fish. So it's like mm-hmm. smoked fish that mm-hmm. we use to make certain things. Oh, but usually wow. there, there really was no reason to mm-hmm. buy and freeze fish. Right. Because every morning, uh-huh. When you go, you get fish, fresh fish. Wow.
0: Wow. wow. And would you buy it to make at home? But also you could, it was just like a street food. You could buy smoked, Um, you could buy roasted fish and just eat it right there, almost like a picnic yeah. on the beach.
1: But mostly we buy to go cook at home. I see. Because of course, growing up to eat there is that somebody will take care Mm. And my mother being just like, that's not something it might be once in a while we can go and mm. get fish, but mm-hmm. normally we cook at home. I see. 99.99999%.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just a very rare treat to eat out. Yes. yes. I see. I see. Well, so food was plentiful and abundant and delicious at your home as well yes. uh yes. tell us about your mother's farm how far how far from the seaside was it
1: so i will talk about my mother's farm but in two two different ways so okay. we had garden we had a garden oh. which is where we live
2: mm-hmm.
1: you have the land mm-hmm. in your compound where mm-hmm. you plant things I see. like you plant like your spices like your spinach Mm. And then you have fruits because fruits are in the orchard. It's right there at home. Mm. Then you have the, the farm farm, which is the plantation. Oh. This is big and this is far. So my mom, my mom owned I a cacao plantation. Oh,
0: like a for-profit plantation. This was not. Yes. Oh, I see. No.
1: So she had a, a big Plantation that we had people that would help work there, I see. and in that farm we would plant things like cocoa yams, cassava, plantains. Wow, in some areas, but the the things that would like the cocoa yams, the things that are under the cacao trees, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it helps for. I don't oh. know how to explain that. So it helps so you don't have a lot of grass? Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so like the, you have
1: this plantation, you can mm-hmm. still in there plant other things.
0: I see. Yeah, the plants have a symbiotic relationship. The yes. one helps maybe the cassava helps the coffee and the coffee helps the cassava yes. by shading so. it or Okay, okay. Tell tell so, me a little bit about that. How do they benefit each other, each of the crops? Um
1: I won't I mean you're As a pe- proud farmer's daughter, some of those things I won't know, but yeah. I <laughs> remember that right. at the bigger farm and this farm, we it might I can count how many times I went because oh. it's far, like it's really far. And we go and people would walk this farm and bring food to us. I see, I like see the plantains and the cocoa yams, and there was I'm trying to remember, there was a particular fruit that I loved so much that Mm. would come from that farm. Mm. I don't remember the name anymore. Mm. I just know it was white. It's like four of it in one stalk that you open the stalk and then get that fruit in it. Oh, hopefully one of my listeners can say what it is. I don't know if it was called monkey fruit. Monkey fruit. Okay. I bet somebody listening will know. Because it might be somebody (laughs) would say they know, and I will... I'm going to. I would ask my brother if he remembers, and yes. I'll send it to you. But let me was, know.
0: I'd be curious. Does um he still live in Cameroon, or does he simply remember better because he was older?
1: No, he simply remembers better because he, he's older and a lot smarter. My brother is a lecturer <laughs> at a university <laughs> in in the Netherlands. Oh wow! What yes. does he lecture in? And he is he is a teacher. He he loves knowledge is his thing. So we always would gravitate towards him like, okay,
0: ah, what is this? Oh, oh, you were raised. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump back to Joloff Rice in a minute here, but we're going to, since we're going so naturally into talking about your family, we're going to just keep going with it. So um, it sounds honestly, like you were all raised with a love of knowledge because you've accumulated quite a bit of uh, research-based knowledge and then also experiential wisdom um, in your business as well. Indeed. So knowledge was something that your parents emphasized at home.
1: Oh my goodness, yes. My father, Mm. my mother, Mm. both of them. And I I still remember, it could have been 2013, I went home and I went to visit a friend of mine Mm-hmm. who had promised her that, oh, when I go home, I'll go see your parents. Mm-hmm. Because she was, uh, oh, well, I want to make sure that my, my dad is doing well because he has health issues. Mm. I remember sitting there and some lady across from their home came mm-hmm. and was thanking me how my father changed her life because wow. her, I think her son, she didn't mm-hmm. have money for her son to go to school. Mm-hmm. And my father had Paid his tuition. Wow. That's really who my father was. Mm. Education was a big, big deal. I see. Because for him,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. my father, when he was raised, he was raised by my grandmother who was Mm. single because his father died when my dad was really young. Wow. And my grandmother prioritized Education so much for my father. Mm-hmm. He was the only one, and of course, he was the son. He had mm. lots. Of, he had, I think, six or six sisters. Mm. He was the only one that went to school, mm. went all the way to university. He went to Oxford in Nigeria. And that's how he met my mother. Wow! And so he realized the power of education. That it's a gateway mm. to so much that if it wasn't for his education, Mm -hmm.
2: he
1: he wouldn't have gone to Nigeria. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. have met my mom. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been able to do bigger things. Mm -hmm. And I I know that it's funny because at some point at at our home, Mm -hmm. it's always like lots of people, my cousins, my this, my this. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm older, Mm -hmm. when I look back, I think it was my dad, just trying mm. to make up for the fact that, oh, I am the one who was able to go to school, to go uh, to college, to go to university, and now I can make money. So I have to take care of my siblings and their kids.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, there were holidays that we would have 20, mm-hmm. 23 people at mm. our home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: He felt, that, he felt that gratitude and that sense of responsibility. Yeah. Yes. So
1: education was a big deal and Mm. my dad prioritized it so much. I remember my dad would threaten me that I have to remember that there will be a time, it doesn't matter if you have money, Mm. if you don't have a certificate, you will not be able to use your money. Mm. And he would say that to me like, yeah, you can think, oh, we have money. Mm -hmm. You have to take school seriously. Because Mm. everybody's going to have money. Mm. When you go to the market, they'll be like, oh, where's your certificate? Where's your degree? If you don't have it they're like, we can't take your money because everybody has money. And just a few people can buy what we have. And that's the education that was in my mind. mm. Oh, my goodness. That stayed on my mind Mm. forever. Mm. That the education
0: would set you apart. Yes. I see. Now, so first of all, just to comment, this always amazes me that a decision that your grandmother made um, the generations down that it's blessing, you know, your brother is a lecturer, I'm confident that your children are well educated. And isn't that amazing that four generations down a decision that she made is still blessing. And I think that's so powerful for us to remember.
1: I cannot even tell you how powerful that is. And on the other hand, this is Mm -hmm. the one thing that I talk to my clients about. Mm -hmm. Because the things that get passed down from generations to generations are so powerful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we we forget to stop to see if it's serving us. Mm. Education got passed down. Mm -hmm. the, 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 The decision my great my grandmother made mm-hmm. with the sacrifice
2: mm-hmm.
1: we are enjoying today. Mm-hmm. But sometimes habits mm-hmm. get passed down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some things that we, we just do because oh my grandma used to do, my great grandfather used to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes it can be detrimental to health.
0: Mm. Right, I was thinking yeah, um food habits and food yeah. choices and we're definitely yeah. going to talk about that more. Um to stay on your dad for a moment, you wrote I I I always like to read acknowledgments. I don't know if that's common or not, but I do always start a book by reading acknowledgments. It gives me just a little I think insight into the author um, that I carry with me as I go throughout the book and yours. I was so touched. And first of all, I do. I'm I'm sorry for the loss of your father. It sounds like you lost him certainly yeah. before you wrote this book. Yeah. But you both wrote
1: parents. Yeah. Oh,
0: both your parents. Yes. Oh, there's so many references to your mother. I didn't realize. I I'm know. so sorry. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Hmm. Well, you just wrote the loveliest thanks and epitaph to your father. You said to my father who taught me nothing is impossible for a girl child. And I find it so interesting that he went from the only sibling when his sisters um, didn't have access to school or were either denied access or just simply, it wasn't a practical thing. And then it sounds like he um, went ahead. And in the next generation um, wanted everything he had for himself, for his daughter.
1: Yes. And you know, so many things in hindsight. Because we all have 2020 vision in hindsight. Now I can really mm-hmm. look back and see mm-hmm. some of the things that helped shape my father's thoughts. Because initially mm-hmm. I just thought, oh my goodness, seeing his sisters get mm-hmm. he went to school, his sisters got married, had children, mm-hmm. and my father had to take care of their children. Mm-hmm. He never wanted that for us. That was one part of it now mm-hmm. that I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But growing up... The, you it mean was just, he didn't want you dependent on your brothers? No, he didn't want us dependent on our husbands. Ah. Mm-hmm. Our husbands,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not brothers. I see. The way my dad, the way we were brought up in our home and granted that... I grew up from, you know, two cultural homes. Nigeria. Mm -hmm. My mom came from Nigeria. Nigeria was a little bit, not a little bit, very Mm -hmm. advanced in the way they they are thinking and stuff. And the fact that my dad went to school in Nigeria, I think it also helped. I see with how with the way he looked at us. I see. We 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 didn't grow up in a home where these type of chores are for girls. Mm. And that's for boys. To this day, my my brother, my first brother, Coyote, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, mm-hmm. he actually punctured his thumb because he was trying to repair my sister's dress using Aww. the sewing machine. Oh. My brother, the lecturer in Lewiden, mm-hmm. attending university. Mm-hmm. He makes the best arrow. Mm. This is a traditional food. Nobody can cook this dish better than my brother. Wow. That's how we grew up. Mm. We, it's not, this is what girls do and this mm-hmm. is what boys do. No. Mm. But my father was adamant. I see. That you can be anything. Mm. I don't want you to grow. And marry an engineer. I mm. want you to be an engineer. Mm. I want you to be so in my house, we have doctors, mm-hmm. we have lecturers, we have architect, we have that's our home. I see. Yes. I see, I see.
0: Well, and you had such an amazing example in your mother as well, because I did notice, you know, it wasn't my parents' farm, it was your mother's farm. She was a businesswoman.
1: She was. And it's funny because people have asked that of me Mm. before and it just blew my, like, it's mind blowing to me that you picked that up. Oh, (laughs) yes. And I I appreciate that so much Mm. because most people don't pay attention to some of these things, Mm. but it's important coming from Africa Mm -hmm. where everything belongs to to the men Mm. and you have somebody like my mother who did so well Mm -hmm. but from her grits like her blood is in our farms my dad is not a farmer Mm. never and which is which is funny because my dad grew up in Mm Cameroon in Fontaine he was raised by a farmer. And a catechist. My, my grandmother was like the first catechist in in our village. The, I'm
0: she sorry, the first
1: farmer. what? The first catechist, one? You know, like the people in the Catholic Church who helped teach oh, the doctrine. Oh, wow. I yes. see. Yes. So uh-huh. my mother, on the other hand,
2: catechist, was
1: yeah. raised by merchants. She never knew anything about a farm, never stepped foot in a farm wow. until she married my dad. And when mm-hmm. they moved to Cameroon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: she got into farming. My dad was the opposite. Even though he was raised by a farmer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he was like, I've worked hard. I've gotten <laughs> an education. I don't want to do farm.
0: So Right. Wow, that is fascinating that they yes. switched like that they flip-flop yes. that is fascinating to me yes wow and so your mother she would um manage employees she would manage contracts she would make there's a lot of education involved in um farming there's so much to learn um there's experimentation all the time and yet she also she got her hands dirty and worked as well
1: yes she did Mm. She she did work. And, of course, that's different with what farming is today. Mm. I remember with one of the, the plantations mm-hmm. in a different city, she had mm-hmm. people. I mean, there was a lot of work with good faith. You have mm. somebody who wants to work but cannot afford a farm. Mm-hmm. You have them work your farm. I see, and then grow their food. So it was simple, and then you know that at the end, mm-hmm. this is how much stuff they'll bring, stuff, and they'll take their own stuff. Oh wow, I see. I yeah, see. so there was a lot of that type of farming. Interesting. And then later on, when it got to a point where they they needed to um to ship mm-hmm. cacao uh, bean and coffee bean. Mm-hmm. That became a little bit more in, like more complicated for mm. the things that she had to do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was her farm. And she, at some point, had some young lady. I remember when I went home, it might be in 99 mm-hmm. or 2003, mm-hmm. she had a lady that was taking care of the farm, managing the people, I looking see. for... Oh, this person, these people from here are going to walk here. This is going to work here. And this is what they'll give us. And they would harvest their own stuff. Yeah.
0: I see. Wow. Wow. So she really um supported the community in many ways. Yes. Mm. Mm. I see. Well, when and and what did you say your father? Oh, he wait, what did you say your father was?
1: My dad worked with preventive medicine. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, wow. So your parents really did both come together into your career. I mean, yes. that's exactly what you do. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing. So um, when when everybody came back home at
1: night, who cooked? Oh, so we had... We you had somebody. You had help. We did have help, I see. and mm-hmm. my mother cooked. Mm-hmm. But my father, my father, I could count how many times I saw my father <laughs> cooking. My mm-hmm. father would clean, like our our compound mm-hmm. was clean, like mm-hmm. clean as in the city council would come mm-hmm. and give my father an award.
2: The oh cleaners. yes, that is my clean. Dad, yes, That's wow. My dad.
1: my dad would clean the compound like our compound was clean. That's incredible. Clean.
0: Yes. I see. Right, right. It wasn't because it was a a female task. It was mm-hmm. simply because it wasn't mm-hmm. what he was interested in compared to your mother.
1: No, no. I see. And it's it's funny when we uh-huh. talk about food because when George's and I, my husband is is George's. Mm. The first time that my mother came and stayed with us, uh-huh. we were newly married. Uh-huh. And I think it was like 4 a.m. Uh-huh. There was just he got up, he's like, What's going on? What's doing in a panic? And I just I listened for a moment and I smiled. I'm like, Oh, it's my mom. She's he's like, What is she doing in the kitchen at this hour? Uh-huh. I'm like, I think she's making bread for you to take to work. I could see his eyes, like, she's what now? That was my mom. My mom. Wow. Growing up, everything. Oh my gosh, mm. my mom would make bread. My mom would make pop. My mom would make food. like she would make everything from scratch.
0: Mm, right. You said you never went and ate yeah. that roasted. Uh, fish that smelled so amazing at the port you bought yours and went home and cooked it Yeah. Mm, Yeah. mm, mm. well that leads us into jollof rice (laughs) 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 and uh i don't know if you read the questions but i my heart stopped when you said jollof rice because i have had um (laughs) so i'll just tell you the story i have a um uh, a really good friend. She actually—it's the very first episode on my podcast—is with this friend. She's Ghanaian, and she—we um we were out to dinner one night, and I was telling her about the podcast, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I have this guest coming on um, from Nigeria," and she gave me jollof rice, and she started showing me all of these videos on social media of people making fun of the way other people made jollof rice. <laughs> And I was terrified. I was terrified to make this recipe. And I was actually texting her throughout it. And then um, we have a broader group of friends that um that span like several, several African countries. And uh, right. yeah, they they were all um they all gave me their seal of approval eventually. But you know, you can make things look a certain way in a photograph, but they never actually tasted it. So I, I was
1: <laughs> but it was good, it was good. It was oh good. my goodness. That's thin. <laughs> go ahead go ahead i tell my friends that if anybody have to speak on jollof (laughs) rice it's going to be me okay right right i am half cameroonian right half nigerian Mm -hmm. so is it the cameroon jollof rice is it the nigerian jollof rice i'm like you can try all the jello fries
2: mm.
1: and you can make yours if you want. Mm. We take, I mean, it's we take jello fries, we really do take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Which go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. no, you go ahead. You said which. I was going to say, if you look at jello fries, mm-hmm. you can see the food diversity that we have mm-hmm. in africa even for something as basic and as common as mm-hmm. jollof rice right it's jollof rice
2: mm-hmm. but
1: there is no two country there is no two place in africa mm-hmm. that makes jollof rice the same and sometimes yeah. even in the same even in the same country say for right. example in nigeria mm-hmm. they are there is almost like the party jollof rice, mm-hmm. which is the city jollof rice. Mm. And then there was the traditional, there was the jollof rice that your grandmother mm-hmm. in the north would make with palm just, oil.
0: Right, the everyday, unpretentious, unfussy jollof rice. Yes. Mm.
1: In Cameroon, our jollof rice
2: mm-hmm. is
1: more like fried rice. We don't mm. just... And then in Cameroon, again, we have another jollof rice, mm-hmm. which is, it's called Njanga rice. Njanga mm. is, is what? janga is crayfish, right? Oh. So this rice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's made, and if you have somebody who really knows how to make it, mm-hmm. it's palm oil, mm-hmm. lots of the crayfish, which is called in the villages, Njanga
0: Ah, I've heard of Jenga rice and I didn't know that's what it was. But, yes. you know, of course, that makes me think of Jambalaya, <laughs> which was so influenced by African cuisine. I mean, it is. It that's is. so
1: interesting. huh? And then when you go to Ivorians, this is different. Ghanians right, is different. Yes. The, the Senegal, the Wolof people, this uh-huh. is different. Huh. For all this jell rice. fries Uh-huh. The one I love the most Uh is mine. (laughs) Because that's the power of food, right? Right. You can just make it to your own taste. Thank you. That's, I mean, we're moving away from what food should be. Mm. It should not only nurture the body. It shouldn't just nourish the body. Mm. It should bring joy. I don't care how good Nigerian Jollof rice is. Mm. I don't care how fantastic Ghanaian jollof rice is. Mm. If I eat it, Mm -hmm. even if 1 million people are like, oh, this is the best jollof rice. If it's not the best for me, Uh, it's not uh, the best for me.
0: A hundred percent. That is an attitude I can get on board with.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But I love all the jollof rice because (laughs) we love rice.
0: You're not getting yourself in trouble with anybody today.
1: No, no. I love all the jollof rice. I have done a jollof rice war in this house. Oh, right. Okay. So Georges, where is he from? Oh, my goodness. He is right down the street from where I grew up. He's from Cameroon. So we've known each other since we were nine years old. Oh, really? And we are in our mid-50s. Oh,
0: did you move to the U.S. together?
1: No. 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 Wow.
0: Uh, no. uh, okay, time out on Joolof Rice. We we have to hear this story. Tell us this
1: story. <laughs> so judges and I, mm-hmm. my one of my cousins, actually, mm-hmm. a couple of my cousins were friends with him. Mm-hmm. So I grew up seeing him in our home. Mm-hmm. He literally, he was the first person who ever asked me out for a date. Oh. And back I- in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. How old were you? I think I was 15. Oh. Mm -hmm. And when I tell this story, I always start like, oh, no, I wasn't a child bride.
0: (laughs) No, I know. I know. It was innocent then.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And before I was trying to be very coy, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, no, because I thought, I mean, from all the books, the Mm -hmm. Back in the day, there used to be a romance novel called Mills and Bones. I don't Uh know if it's a thing today. Okay. From all all the romance novels that I was reading, Uh the girl would be coy and then the guy would keep coming back. (laughs) Right, right. You were supposed to play hard to get, right. No. And I'm like, you know, he just left. (laughs) This backfired on me. (laughs) No. And he never came back to ask me out again. Oh wow. for years and years, and I was like, no, he didn't. I was angry. Oh
0: you were like, don't you know this is a game we're playing? Yeah. Don't you know the rules of the
1: game? And he didn't he didn't get the memo. Mm. He truly didn't get the memo. Wow. And, oh my god. You crushed him, Agatha. <laughs> I, I was furious. <laughs> and we would meet. And Uh I would have, I would have an attitude when we go, but I remember we met in, I think we went, we were both home in 99 Mm -hmm. and we met at a nightclub. That was the first time that we actually had a a fun conversation. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm mature enough. Right, right, right. You let I'm go. gone. We can have yeah. this conversation, and he was just so much fun. Oh, and I'm like, you know, but I think the way God mm. is purposeful, mm-hmm. if we just let it be, because there is no way.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: if we had started then or we will be married right. for 20 years, you know, right? We've we'll been married for 20 years. Mm. And when we when we came back, mm-hmm. When we met, which again, it, we met at my at my cousin's wedding, right? And all my cousins are uh-huh. his people. They all went to the same boy school, so they are really wow. close,
0: and they one stuck together my, for all those years.
1: Yes, and one of my cousins was getting married in Seattle. Mm. I think this was two thousand two. We wow. both got the, I didn't even think. That he mm-hmm. was going to be there, but mm-hmm. the moment I saw him, I'm like, ah, oh, I should have known. Wow! And this was like 15
0: or 20 years later. I mean, if you're 56 yes, and you've yes, been married 20 yes, years, years later. wow! Yes, wow! Because okay. I
1: mean, we would meet and it's like uh-huh. until 99. 99 was when we really met, and wow. you know, we actually hugged.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And the romance we blossomed. Not, we
1: know each other so well. Like, I know his home. Yeah. I've gone to his home way before. You know, wow. so and his his parents and my father are from the same village, from the same part mm. of the country, Fontaine. So, but mm. that 2002 in Seattle, mm-hmm. I just looked at him and I'm like, oh, you owe me some love, man. You owe <laughs> me some love. And that was it till today.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then you got married and had three beautiful boys. Yeah. No, we got married and we have three. Yeah.
1: They're big boys. Our youngest is 18. He's going to be, the youngest is going to be 19 in December.
0: Mm, Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. it's a cool dude. God's timing Mm -hmm. is always the best. Mm, I do believe that. I do hmm I've
0: tried to force things and it always backfires. No, no. I mean, just, just like you were when you were 15. <laughs> yes, yes. So what are the Joloff Wars you've had in your
1: house then? So we actually, I had, it was Ghanaian, Cameroonian, mm-hmm. oh. and
0: uh-huh. Nigerian
1: Jolof. Wow. And what we did. So it was, when was this? A friend of mine loved him. Mm-hmm. when her I think it was her first book mm-hmm. when it came out she was coming to Atlanta so I called a few friends I'm like okay let's just do this and we we had friends who were American uh-huh who didn't really know and so we made the jello fries, uh-huh. and so we weren't going to label them I made right. so I made Cameroon and uh-huh. the Nigerian jello fries, of course uh-huh and my friend Selasi, who is from Ghana, uh-huh. she made the Ghanaian jollof of rice. Wow. We did, and you we did didn't a... able anything.
0: Mm-hmm. We're just like
1: people should eat mm-hmm. and tell us which they prefer. And uh-huh. they prefer everything. Oh, we love the Nigerian, we love the Ghanaian, we love the this <laughs> rice. They were everything. They're like, oh, we love this pot, we love this pot, we love this one. Oh, this is a little a little spicy. This is not that spicy. This and that was mm-hmm. it. At the end, we're like, oh, you know, this is the Ghanaian, this is the Cameroonian, mm-hmm. and this uh-huh. is the Nigerian jollof.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it was like, we don't care.
0: No, no clear winner, all- no clear loser. No. No. We love all the jollof rice. So yeah. then for people listening, jollof rice, like you said, it can vary widely, but what is essential to a jollof rice, like if you don't have these elements, then okay, it's some, it's some other dish. It's not jollof rice. What's absolutely essential?
1: Tomato, the tomato Mm -hmm. sauce. So Mm -hmm. the tomato base, Mm -hmm. jollof rice can grow to be anything you want, Mm -hmm. but that base of tomato. Now the the base has gotten a little bit people use bell peppers and tomato together Mm. to make that tomato base Mm. but tomato spicy tomato is the key in all jello fries yes
0: okay so now
1: the 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 spices Mm -hmm. would vary depending on what you you want Mm. yes
0: well let's talk about yours because I had never, I had never seen a recipe for jollof rice that included coconut before or green right. beans, actually.
1: So it's, part of it is mm-hmm. unique.
0: Mm-hmm. To, so it's not Cameroon. necessarily the one your mom made. Oh, it is, it's a no. So
1: in a way, it's what my mom made with a little bit of added.
0: Mm. Your a own twist, oh, Agatha's yes. twist.
1: So my mom, there are times my mom would make Coconut jollof, right? So Mm. remember, my mom is from Nigeria. So she grew up with the Nigerian jollof. There was something in her that when she came to Cameroon, Mm -hmm. she wanted a hybrid of the Cameroon jollof. And, you know, because I don't remember ever eating Nigerian jollof in my home. Mm. Yes. My mom, my mom loved coconut rice mm-hmm. and the coconut jollof rice was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And there are times she would make it and mm-hmm. she, she would put carrots mm-hmm. and she wouldn't mm-hmm. put green beans. And when we have green beans, like for really special occasion and rice really was at least when I was growing up, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that we eat Monday, Tuesday during the week. It was a weekend food.
0: Oh, rice so, was not a daily no. part of your diet. Oh, no, no, it was
1: a weekend food. Oh. So it would be either rice and stew on mm-hmm. Sunday after church. Mm-hmm. But we just love the coconut jollof rice. Okay, I can ev- Yes, everything I- in it, and it's extra special mm-hmm. when my mom would put the carrots mm-hmm. and okay. the and a little bit of the green beans.
0: Okay, I might try both if that's okay.
1: Yes, in that recipe in my cookbook mm-hmm. in Bountiful Cooking, it has both carrots, carrots and green meats. Okay, green maybe maids. the
0: carrots didn't stand out to me as much because I didn't remember that. But yes, yes. I'll,
1: I'll follow yes. it to a T,
0: which is unusual for me. I don't, I don't follow recipes well when I cook on my own. <laughs> <So> but... <laughs> that's,
1: the, that's the fun of cooking, and I think yes. it's the blessing when you've been playing with food. Right, and if you when you when you keep reading my book, which just blesses me that you're reading, because that's the thing. I didn't want to make a tip. I didn't want to make a cookbook, a recipe book.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanted
1: to share stories. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share tips so mm-hmm. that you can, you can get in the kitchen and do more mm-hmm. and not just because there is so much more when we think of cooking Right. that following recipes so hard sometimes takes the pleasure. Right. So right. my hope with, would- my cookbook is that the recipe would give you confidence Mm. that you do and do and do. And slowly you Mm -hmm. can say, Oh, let me, let me, let me cook from my heart. Right. Well, I think put your salt.
0: Right. Right. And I think you do that. I think it, I think it educates inspires and empowers all three of those things. Oh, Um, you
1: said it so well. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) You're welcome. I I just remember this. Uh So when I went to India, uh-huh. I think this was 2017. Uh-huh. My girlfriend, one of her colleagues invited uh-huh. us to her home for dinner, a beautiful home she had. I, I still remember because there were like plants uh, everywhere mm. in her home. But when they brought the, my plate, when yeah. I'm tomorrow, I'm looking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks almost like jollof rice <laughs> that my mom would make. Mm. And I said, What is it? She's like, Oh, I think it's what did she call it? B- biryani. Oh, biryani. Yes. And yes. I was yes. And it had coconut. It was cooked. Yes. And it's just that, of course, Indian food has a little bit more spices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It was more layers and layers of different spices I hadn't tested. But if it didn't have all those spices, right, you would think. Its base, my yeah, no, you would think you were eating my mom's coconut jello fries. All the way oh, nasa.
0: man, oh, you're making me even more excited to try it because I love biryani, I absolutely love yeah. biryanis. Yes. yes,
1: I mean, that's just that's just jello- if think about it if uh-huh. you look at the Cameroon, the coconut jello fries, mm-hmm. the way if you're not looking at the Ghanaian mm-hmm. or the Nigerian, if right? Ours because ours would have it's even. When Cameroonians make jollof rice, even if they are not doing the coconut jollof rice, mm. the, the jollof rice almost looks like what fried rice, the fried rice here with veggies mm. looks like. Well, Our so- rice has some some level of vegetables in it.
0: I see. I see. This is this is a question that I wanted to ask you about making yours in particular, because I think one of the correct me if I'm wrong, because I am, you know, I'm, I'm very much an outsider in this. But my okay. my understanding is that one of the differences between the Joloff's Rises and definitely what one of these videos was mocking was that um the, I mean, the texture is like really, really, really important to people. And um, some of them can be a little um, saucier. And then some to the point that, like you said, yours is almost a fried rice. Um, is that is that true? Is that like one of the things that differentiates different ones? Uh, or are they all more of a fried rice?
1: I think, okay, so for, for the Nigerian jellof, the smokiness—it's something mm. that would differentiate Nigerian love. Like, see. initially,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they would cook mm-hmm. until the pot. I remember my aunt cooking mm-hmm. and just letting the pot burn mm. and the, the base of the pot, which I—I I kid you not—that's my favorite part of any mm. rice: crispy, burnt, crunchy, burnt, blackened part. Yes, like we'll scrape Mm. it and eat it. That's because there you have the oil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Girl, they they have figured out how now they can make the smokiness without Mm. allowing the pot to burn. Mm. I think personally, Mm -hmm. I don't like my rice to be too dry. So it comes down Mm -hmm. to people having different tastes. I know the one thing that for jollof rice, nobody likes. Mm-hmm. Is when the rice is mushy because mm-hmm. your rice can be saucy, mm-hmm. but it's not mushy. Mushy yeah. is when that rice is all sticky and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not fluffy and it's mm-hmm. just meh in your mouth. Mm, right. So
0: each each grain should be separate, be able to separate from the other grains. Oh, yes. Mm, OK, oh, yes. well, so that was another thing that surprised me um, is that. When I added up all the steps, and actually I was just bringing it up in here, <laughs> so I could look at the so I could look at the recipe again. I mean, it's a quick.
1: Am I wrong? Is it a really quick jollof rice? It, it's semi quick, but not mm. too quick. Right? Okay. Because remember, there is an extra ten minutes when you're mm-hmm. done cooking mm, to let it. That sit you, it. Don't, you don't. You don't. You don't. open the pot and just right. let the steam cook it.
0: Mm. But, and
1: that's yeah. Go ahead. Typically, mm-hmm. even growing up, if you think about rice, so mm-hmm. let's put the tomato, let's put the, the tomato base that you make on the side. Mm-hmm. Rice typically is 12 to 15 minutes to cook. It's very quick. Mm-hmm. Yes, typically. And just watching my mom cook jollof rice. Mm-hmm. The thing that would take time, because, of course, we make everything from scratch, she would start, we would boil the, if it's chicken,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, butcher the chicken, come prep it, and then steam the chicken, keep the broth, mm-hmm. and then grate the coconut mm-hmm. to make the coconut milk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the chop the tomato
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the onions. Sometimes you would just put everything in the blender to mm-hmm. chop it. Sometimes it's chopped by hand or with mm-hmm. a little mortar and pistol or with the stone. But mm-hmm. when everything was ready,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we put it on the stove to cook. And mm-hmm. actually, no, that's not true. Not on the stove. When we would make co- uh, coconut rice, we used to use the the kitchen, the outside kitchen. And we mm-hmm. would cook with... Um, because the coconut rice, it's mm. in a big pot. Mm-hmm. Since it's one meal, the quantity is big, so everybody can be full. Right. We would cook it outside, not in the house. Mm-hmm. And um it's called I don't know it, uh, what is it called? Mm. Uh, it's
0: is it's, it like a grill or a barbecue or was it an open no. fire?
1: It's it's you know how it's called sawdust fire. A sawdust fire.
0: Okay, tell Let me, me about explain that. It to you. Yes, <laughs> do yes. So I'm fascinated. they
1: would go, where they make the they make the the planks that uh-huh. you would use to build house. How you're sawing them, mm-hmm. right? There is right. Fine dust that comes out. Okay. Yeah. You you're... take that dust. Uh huh. And so you you have some type of contraption mm-hmm. that it's like a metal, it's mm. like a round metal bucket. Mm-hmm. with a hole like the top is open mm-hmm. and on the side there is a hole mm. oh so you put there is a particular you put a stick mm-hmm. on the side and you put one on top mm-hmm. and then you fill it with that sawdust and keeps pounding and pounding and pounding mm. until it's set then i'm you
0: watching it- this on youtube while you talk now it, yeah oh. the a sawdust stove i've never this is fascinating what does yes. the hole on the side do
1: the hole on the side—that's where uh-huh. you put the firewood. Oh, when you light, because you would have a firewood. The firewood is what would keep the, would light the soldiers and then keep keeps it burning. Uh huh. That's where my mom would cook. Right. So,
0: so it's really almost encased. See, and this is why I do see. Actually, it's funny because when I was talking to someone about a, um, I, I was talking, it's funny you brought it up. I was talking to an Indian woman about the vessels that they cooked their rice in and they used earthenware vessels and in like a flame that sort of encased the um, the vessel and it made it so it wouldn't just, it, it made it a lot easier, she feels, for the doneness to be correct because it's heating everything, you know, all, all around the edges at the same time rather than just up from the bottom. So this this was the same that the flames really would um almost encase the entire cooking Yeah, vessel. because
1: and you build uh-huh. so they had different sizes mm. depending on the pot size, you can get a bigger um sawdust container or stove or whatever it's called, I and your pot uh-huh. would really sit on top. Uh-huh. So it might be just a little, and so the heat it's just mm-hmm. it. It was hard to make Mm -hmm. because first you have to go to the sawmill Mm -hmm. and get the thing. Uh We would rather we love when we had to use the 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 gas cooker in the house, the stove. Mm. But this backside thing cooks fast. I
0: see. Yes,
1: because it's all heated
0: from all the edges, all at once. Oh, and I remember
1: before we would put the we we used Mm -hmm. to have just pots that we used on the on the sawdust stove. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we want to do something fast Mm -hmm. or we run out of gas. Mm -hmm. If we're going to use our in-house pot, we would rub the outside of the pot with palm oil so that when we cook Uh and the the smoke gets to it, it's not going to stick. When you go to wash the pot, Ah. all the smoke would would go and you still see your shiny, stainless
0: steel pot. Oh, wow. Yes. But that's, that's genius. <laughs> that's so
1: interesting. Yeah, yeah. You would just wipe it right off. Yes, when you wash oh. it, it will come off. Yeah. So that's huh. where my mom and what took me to this part when everything when the when the when the broth, mm-hmm. the 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 beef or the chicken broth is steamed, like she would saute the onion, the tomato, and that mm-hmm. maybe five ten minutes in that mm-hmm. hot fire, and it's done, and mm-hmm. put the, the meat and put the the broth, put the coconut milk mm-hmm. and then put the rice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We know we're almost ready to eat. It doesn't take long from there.
0: Yeah. It's all the prep work.
1: Yes. It's the prep mm-hmm. work, but the cooking time shouldn't take long. And especially I see. even with this, I made this one with shrimp, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I wanted something like for somebody who you can easily turn this as well into a vegetarian thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't want the shrimp, you can use oyster mushrooms or something. Mm -hmm. But no, it shouldn't. Rice itself shouldn't take that long. I see. It's how my tomato is not the, so this doesn't have the smokiness Mm. that the Nigerian jellof rice would have. I see. That you cook for so long. And also the rice, the, Mm -hmm. the, the traditional, I don't know if that's a word because I don't want nobody, even me being half Nigerian, I, I know
0: people go, get really funny about yeah, that word. Yeah, people are so
1: <laughs> sensitive with this, but Nigerians, yeah. uh huh, when they make the the jollof rice, mm-hmm. they use the parboiled rice, mm. which is it takes so long to cook. Mm. And on the other hand, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it what it was with my mother mm-hmm. because that parboiled rice, when we're growing up, they used to call it Uncle Ben's. Uncubent rice. That's oh, how yeah. Well. Uh huh. Yes. I My see. My mother, for the love of anything, you would not, you, you couldn't make her eat that rice. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think that's how we just navigate. You know, gravitated I towards see. all these other ones. That rice takes longer to cook. Mm. It really does take longer. I see. I, yeah. And you yeah. call
0: for basmati, which is quick. Those yes. narrow. I see. Yes. I see.
1: I see. I um, see. Okay. With that rice, Mm -hmm. you have to really be working extra hard to Uh mess it up because it's so hard. With with the Uncle Ben's, with the
0: parboiled or with the 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 parboiled,
1: No, with the parboiled. With basmati, you can mess it up. You can overcook
0: it. (laughs) Well, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it really is just. So is it is it worth ever trying to cook it? in the oven be, to kind of um reproduce the benefits of that sawdust stove rather than on the stove where it only
1: you heats can, from the bottom i mean even in my home depending on, on mm. depending on what i'm doing uh-huh there are times i would just do everything and put in the oven so i can mm. do something else and mm-hmm. there are times i'll cook on top of the stove yes mm. but mm. you can do you either you can one cook fries either or and no, you have when,
0: success both when,
1: ways Yes, mm-hmm. but when you cook in the mm-hmm. oven, it doesn't it doesn't mimic per se the the, the, S- saw the sawdust dust.
0: stove. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: because sawdust is just just think like mm. a normal stove. Yes, well, it's because like put the pot on top. It's not inside somewhere. you Put the pot on top. Yes, right. But it's made with the dust from wood,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm I sure think that flavor. Are geniuses, that's an incredible pot, uh, way to cook for somebody yes. who doesn't,
0: you know. It is. It is. It is. And I'm assuming that some of the flavor of that kind of those sweet um wood shavings. My dad does a lot of woodworking and I love the smell of sawdust and I imagine it's almost like um grilling, you know, with the wood chips cuz some of that flavor just kind of um gets into the steam and then flavors the rice a little it bit.
1: Does. The, the, it does. It really does. And so it really just can't
0: taste the same here.
1: No, it, it, it doesn't. There is mm. nothing, unfortunately, mm. nothing <laughs> that mm. tastes the same. And that's mm. just, that's the truth.
0: Mm. That's the reality of it leaving, the reality. leaving home.
1: I'm not saying here doesn't taste good. I mean, Mm -hmm. here is home because I've lived here longer Mm -hmm. than in any place else in my whole life. I've been here for Mm -hmm. over 30 something years. When I left Mm -hmm. home, I was 23. So this is home. But when it comes to food, Mm -hmm. there is such a huge difference Mm -hmm. between freshly harvested anything, Mm -hmm. whether it's the lettuce whether it's mango or the beef from the cattle, it's, it's, Mm. it's, it's different. the fish freshly caught. Yes, it Mm. is different.
0: (laughs) So when you moved here at 23 to Silver Spring, I mean, I'm sure culture shock is an understatement, but it was, I mean, obviously a turning point in your life because not only did you start making a new home, but it was a turning point in your life because you were kind of so shell-shocked, I guess, by the by what you saw with the food that it really directed you, it pointed you in the direction of your career. Indeed. Mm. You know
1: what's so funny? Tell me. I think just because I thought about coming to America forever as a child mm. growing up, I mean, people would come to America for greener mm. pastures and we would get these magazines. Mm. I remember... Um, I think it was called Jets. Mm. Was Jets. Mm-hmm. Jet, jet magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes. There mm-hmm. was Ebony magazine. Jet and Ebony, the, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I'll get those magazines at home and see all these glossy pictures, beautiful mm. homes, the food, everything looks so beautiful. Mm. It never and the roads and the big cars and it is. I just knew that America mm. was the it. It never even crossed my mind that the food would not be better. It's America. Mm -hmm. The food will be better. The roads are better. The houses will be, be everything will be better until I got here. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I was shocked. I remember going to the grocery store Mm -hmm. with a friend of mine and I am like, where is the food? Mm. And of course, when you just saw boxes, open boxes and me being here now for 30 something years, if somebody comes and asks this question, Mm. I'll be like, what are you talking about? There are food everywhere. Mm. But to me, there was no food. Mm -hmm. And, And she's like, Oh, but this, this, I'm like, no, where is the, where's apple? Where is this? Mm-hmm. And mind you, that was 34 years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. She took me to the side of the store. Things have changed a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There the yeah, produce sections are big now. The
1: produce mm-hmm. section has just, it's, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's really mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it's a little corner, little mm-hmm. corner, that they have a, a little box of apple, Mm -hmm. And not the variety, maybe two apples, some potato, Mm. some some veggies, some squash. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's not a lot of stuff. Mm. Everything's were in can. And I was shocked. Mm. I remember my friend buying corn. Mm. And so growing up, we had fresh corn. Mm-hmm. And we would dry corn. Mm. Because corn is not year-round. So mm-hmm. when it's in season, you would harvest and harvest and eat as much and then you would dry some. Mm-hmm. up They call the thing, you dry them in in um in banda. I don't know mm. the English word. I just mm. know that they build something in 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 the back room, in the in the outside kitchen, mm-hmm. would have like steels like sticks that you put um, like a, a roof underneath mm-hmm. a roof. That's where mm. you place the corn.
0: Mm. And like a little shelter is, to get it yeah, up and, off the ground.
1: Yes. And then under there is fire. Oh. You can, you can, they can smoke it. And then some, they dry it outside. Like oh, wow. you get up in the morning, you take the corn and go put it outside. In the mm-hmm. evening, you bring it back until it's completely dry. Wow! So that, that corn, we would use it to make, Certain things like corn chaff, like corn and beans, it's a particular mm-hmm. dish. Or mm-hmm. they would ferment the corn to make pap, mm. or they make fufu corn and all those things, mm. right? And you know
0: what you weren't making? What corn syrup?
1: No, which I is never what even knew all... there was corn syrup. Right. Even and... after staying in this country for like ten years, I didn't even know yeah. corn syrup. And I'll look it up,
0: but I think it's something like 90% of all the corn in the U.S. is turned into corn syrup.
1: Yes. I'm going to look uh, it up right is, now. Which is unfortunate. Please it is. It is. It is. It oh. is.
0: I mean, Yes. Oh. Hi everyone, this is Becky here, uh, fact-checking myself on this corn uh, statistic that I just very irresponsibly and incorrectly threw out. As many of you listening probably know, it was wildly inaccurate what I just said. So I read about the top 10 results in Google. So basically equal amounts of corn produced in America, about 45% and 45% go towards Animal feed, another 45% or so, margin of error here, goes towards ethanol. That leaves 10% for um, food, and of that 10%, about a third goes towards uh, high fructose corn syrup. So about 3% of all corn grown in the U.S. goes towards high fructose corn syrup. Accuracy is important. And so I apologize for so irresponsibly stating a fact I knew so little about. I'm going to bring you back to Agatha now.
1: When I saw the corn in the can, Uh and in my mind, I'm like, okay, if it's the dry corn, because dry corn takes a minute to cook, right? You soak it and this. No, it was fresh corn. Mm. And I'm like, why would we put fresh corn? Fresh corn takes two seconds to cook.
0: right? And when
1: he... Open that can. Mm. Mm. It's nothing i experienced in my life. It was really, I mean...
0: Were you heartbroken? It almost sounds like it was a grief.
1: But 33 years later, Mm. I get it. Life is hectic. Mm. Life is hectic, you know? Mm -hmm. We just can't do, but... Ooh, no. And Mm. I just knew that this... This is not for me. And there are people who come to this country, mm-hmm. and they can easily adapt, mm-hmm. eating the canned stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is okay. That wasn't that wasn't my journey. I just mm-hmm. couldn't,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was old enough and smart enough in the sense mm-hmm. that I, I I could cook. I knew that I there was nothing I couldn't cook,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And so that's how this really started mm-hmm. for me. I started. Cooking, I started teaching my friends. They would tell their friends. Their friends would tell their friends, and people would be like, "Oh, they are looking for It's Like, "Oh, just follow the smell of the onion." <laughs> <laughs> I'm always so tame. Mm. But that wasn't just the cultural shock for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the food, mm-hmm. how it was made. It was how people ate. Mm. I, I grew up in a place where there was breakfast, mm-hmm. there was lunch, there was dinner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And typically we we'll come together to eat mm-hmm. most of the time, whether you live alone
2: mm-hmm.
1: or not. There's always somebody you're at the neighbor's house. If you're alone doing meals, you come to this house. So mm-hmm. food was a community thing. It was mm-hmm. a together thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I came
2: mm-hmm.
1: My first job I had at a place called Ville de France. That was my first job. Mm
2: -hmm. It was
1: easy for me because, of course, when oh it's Ville de France, I speak French so I can come, I can get Mm. a job here. That was easy. Right. But I remember the first time somebody bought something Mm -hmm. and just stood right there and ate, like so fast. Just standing up, didn't even sit down. Mm. Yes. Mm. That blew my mind. And mm-hmm. of course, my first Christmas, because mm-hmm. when I moved to the United States, it was mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. So then I was here till December and I've had all this different experiences, whether well, it's mm-hmm. the food, how people eat. And I just kept, I was missing home mm-hmm. so much because mm-hmm. that was my first major holiday away from home. Mm-hmm. And I had told myself, I said, for Christmas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was going to cook. And bring people together so we can eat together. Mm-hmm. So that Christmas in our little apartment with my roommate then Audrey, mm-hmm. we literally we rented everything, we invited 30 people, 50 people showed up. Wow. It's all the onions. <laughs> yes. And I made everything from wow. scratch. Wow. And just the awe with mm-hmm. people like, oh. This is healthy, but it tastes so good. Mm. This is, and do you know until COVID Mm -hmm. came and messed things up Mm -hmm. from that time till this today, even though now I have my own family, Mm -hmm. my siblings are here, I have my husband, I have my kids, I have opened my home, I've cooked and cooked for over a thousand people, I've walked into our home for a meal. See, and I
0: love to hear that from a cookbook author because a lot of cookbook writing is just celebrity now. And a lot of, I know, to be honest, a lot of cookbook authors don't even write or test or make their own recipes. But yeah. that's not the case for you. It's very clear that well, every recipe in your book you've made.
1: Yeah. Oh, mm. no. I cook. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I will share this story with you. Mm hmm. When I was, it
2: might
1: be, I don't know, it might be nine or 10.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I love cooking and I was in domestic science, Mm -hmm. which is domestic science is like food and nutrition here in in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it was a class that we would take and I just fell in love. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home and telling my mom, that I think I, I want to be a cook. Mm. Oh my gosh. And my mom was scandalized. She pulled me mm. to the side and she said, Oh my gosh, you really cannot make your dad hear this. Because really? of course, the mindset is like, mm-hmm. we, we, you're going to college school, you're doing all of this. You want right. to be a cook? How much right. do we pay the cook in the house? Right. But right. fast forward many, 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 many years later, we mm-hmm. are in Jamaica.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we were having such a good time. Mm-hmm. We're in this house with a big table. We had. It's not now. This was two thousand three. It's not mm-hmm. now that Airbnb is a, is a thing. Mm-hmm. Then it really. There was something. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but we had rented this villa
2: mm-hmm.
1: of uh, what in in Jamaica at Montego Bay. Mm-hmm. Was it so, BRBO? Uh, no, it wasn't. That was way before. Way uh,
0: before. Okay.
1: Yes. This was 2003. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was home away from home. Mm-hmm. I would look for that. Word. I'll, I'll find that name and I'll tell you. But we rented mm-hmm. this place and my parents were there. And I remember just sitting, we had a huge table mm-hmm. and the butler, they'd made um, soup, Mm -hmm. and they brought everybody was happy and I told my mom Mm -hmm. Mm. I said I said remember when Mm -hmm. and that was before yummy spoonfuls before I wasn't into cooking I was into teaching
2: yeah but
1: I was trying to explain to my mother Mm -hmm. why I had loved cooking Mm -hmm. so much I said do you remember when I said and what you said she's like yeah but Aren't you happy you're, you know, in it? I say I am. I said, but this is why. Because mm. when I was growing up, mm-hmm. the one time that, regardless of what the situation was,
2: mm-hmm.
1: everybody was happy mm. was around food. Mm. So I wanted to cook mm. so people can be mm. happy mm. all That's the time. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, and mm. I remember even when I was nine, I made my first wedding cake when I was nine years old. Wow. I love cooking. I've always loved. Wow. And I could see my mom. Mm. She, My mom just looked at me like, oh my goodness. Mm. And, you know. But and it clicked it for was her. It for me that mm-hmm. despite I went, I did, I did, I did, I did. And I came back. Mm. It's like I came back home to food. Because yeah, this is who I ever. Yeah.
0: It was your first love and your enduring love. Yes. <laughs> so yes. do you think that um because and, and maybe you were confused when I said this but I was like oh you you do what your dad did. But do you think that cuz he was in to preventative medicine? Do you think that he um I mean so I mean really that's that's how you use food and that's um reiterated in your book so many times, Food is preventative medicine to you. and it's also um not just preventative, but it's a healing medicine to you as well. If someone already is ill in in ways, um you recommend, you know, of course, um different foods to them. Do you think that your dad in preventative medicine at that time in Cameroon, Was aware and was working and thinking and researching and talking about how significant food was to preventative medicine?
1: No, not really, because as funny as it is, Mm -hmm. my mom was. Because back in the day, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what my dad did as in preventive medicine, Mm -hmm. it's more these are the vaccines Mm. that because there were so many. Life-threatening mm-hmm. diseases, right? Right. Whether it was koshok, or whether it mm-hmm. was, um, there are just so many things I can't remember some of the names. Come by the time right. along, some right. of them. There was the yellow fever, right? You, you yes, understand? I so, see
0: what you're saying, and yes. this is this is a good point. Is that uh, I mean, food can't prevent those. We we need vaccines to prevent those, and so yeah, I see.
1: No. Food can too. Food Mm. can, but that's a whole different conversation. But that's what my dad to say. Mm. What my dad did when they talk about preventive medicine, Mm -hmm. it was to make sure the the vaccines Mm -hmm. that you need Mm -hmm. for the things that were really life threatening Mm -hmm. you would get. So he would even go to the villages, talk to people. I see. And I remember when my dad came to America. Mm -hmm. True story when our youngest was in my performance because I I would run things by my dad. I'm like, oh, these are the vaccines, the vaccines, the vaccines, the vaccines, the vaccines, the vaccines that they are recommending for this age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, nope, 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 nope. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is good. There is no reason this particular thing for this was, this thing was extinct in 19 days. You don't mm-hmm. need that vaccine. So that was my dad. But mm-hmm. my mom, I think my parents, mm-hmm. the, the balance mm-hmm. was, my mom was so into into natural
2: mm-hmm. healing
1: benefits of plants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my dad was on this other side, but he loved so much that she knew these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And till this day, even when I started really studying the science behind some of these things, I'm like, how did these people know? Like, how Mm. did my mother know about the, the power of something like kombucha? It's called kombucha today. Mm-hmm. But she used to make this drink when we we're growing up, which I hated then. And today <laughs> I pay $7 for a bottle. You, know. you don't make your own? <laughs> oh, I do. I do. But that's the price. I do not year round. Mm. I, sometimes, I mean, my my Scooby would die. Right mm. now, um, I have one that's just getting ready. Mm. And I think I would I would do. Yes. Wow. But some of those things or... Even the, our garden and mm-hmm. the back of the house. Mm-hmm. You would never, when we throw things, my mom, without us being taught like, oh, recycle here or this or that. Mm-hmm. That was something that, oh, you don't you don't put plastic mm-hmm. in the garden.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: would have to sift through the trash. Mm-hmm. The food stuff we would dump mm-hmm. and the, the other stuff would be taken to to the trash to mm-hmm. throw. Those were things that she knew instinctively, right? That was passed down. I bet her own mother or father passed down. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. I wish we could have that other conversation someday. I would love I would be fascinated by that. Um, For now. So I have to leave in six minutes to get one of my kids and you've already given me so much extra time. And I'm so grateful. I, I really have enjoyed this conversation so much. But I do. Can I fit in one more question over? Oh, sure, sure, sure. OK, so I had marked. I mean, I didn't even put in the questions all the quotes that I had marked in the book. And I think we probably only have. Well, I'm going to just read one because I, I and just mention it and then ask you about the next one. So the one that I loved is that um you said I'm a firm believer that every meal is an opportunity to nourish the body any little way you can without it feeling like chaos and I just loved that you wrote that because it's so easy to sit and give good advice. I mean, the research is out there, right? It's so easy to sit and give good advice about how to eat. But you connected so um, precisely with the reality of the situation, which is it's total chaos when you are making meals. Sometimes you're putting dinner on the table in between people's activities. You're making lunches for the next day. You're thinking about if something needs to, you know, be out for breakfast. And it, it is kind of chaos. And so, like you said, you get it you get it you get why people open the can of corn um but at the same time you have these opportunities and this is this is what i think that you've you've spent an entire career um creating this balance which i think is wonderful and again i commend the book to everybody um because i think you you lay out tips and recipes that help us do that um so I just wanted to mention that, but the one that I just, I feel like I, I had even put in there, even if we don't have time to discuss any other quote, I wanted to dive into this one because uh, I don't think I've ever read uh, maybe any, maybe maybe I've read one third of this advice in um, any other book, but you said most important, you were giving your tips on how to be healthy um, and how to use food in a um, in a truly nourishing way. And you said, most importantly, eat with gratitude, not guilt, and remember not to be greedy. Uh, So why is that the most important? Out of everything that you know, yeah, go ahead. I think
1: sometimes we forget Mm. food because the way we look at food, especially in America, Mm -hmm. is more like, oh, it's just fuel, it's energy. Mm -hmm. So we stop to think what food truly is. And it's not just at the end user. So when Mm. you think of food and you close your eyes and you're thinking about the farmer who planted this food that Mm. you're eating, the person who harvested the food, the person who took the food to the store, the person who brought the food to you, Mm. when you start having that level of appreciation Mm. and you eat with gratitude, You slow down. Mm -hmm. You you really take the time to slow down. And then food will do more because food, again, is not just energy. Oh, let me make me me strong so I can do the work I need to do. Mm -hmm. Food is comfort. Mm -hmm. Food is community. Mm -hmm. Food is love. Mm -hmm. When you eat food with gratitude Mm -hmm. and not guilt, Mm There is enough science today to show how it nurtures the body. Mm. Because when when you have guilt, your body is stressed. Mm -hmm. There is inflammation. Mm. So you're almost, in a way, defeating the purpose of that you're trying to eat healthy. Mm. Sit down. Say a little prayer. Eat Mm. with gratitude. The fact Mm. that I really have food. Mm. And maybe the next person doesn't have any food and not mm. guilt. And then we forget sometimes that portion size is a thing. I, mm. I tell my clients all the time: mm-hmm. rice doesn't make you fat. Eating mm. too much rice mm. that makes you fat.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Those are, even at home, mm-hmm. we sit down. It's so important to me. We sit down. We set the table. Mm-hmm. And I remember my son, mm-hmm. our youngest, <laughs> because normally even when we would set the table, mm-hmm. when it's just us, we don't put the tablecloth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We would just set, you know, set the table so we can eat together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I remember once, I don't know if it was like Valentine's Day, there was something. And mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I had put the tablecloth. Our youngest was maybe four, Mm -hmm. and he came. He's like, "Mom, who's coming over? Are we having guests?" Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Okay." From there, every time we want to eat, I'll be putting (laughs) the tablecloth because we have to feel like the guest. The Mm -hmm. fact that we had noticed that when the table is extra fancy Mm -hmm. is because we have guests. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we we should do that for ourselves. But truly, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: food is more than just energy and sometimes we mm-hmm. make it sound here like a science project oh i'm going to i'm going to get some protein it's not i'm going to get what i store mm-hmm. or chicken or mm-hmm. oh you know this is fiber this is this no mm-hmm. this is plantains mm-hmm. we're having beans and it's you know you, you 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 cook you have somebody come and you hold hands and you're just grateful like, mm. I'm grateful for the person who grew this food. I've mm-hmm. never been to a farm here. I don't know this, right? So mm-hmm. eat with gratitude. Yeah. And not guilt. Mm. I and say, don't be greedy. Share don't. it.
0: Mm. And portion size. Yeah, that's yeah. the greedy part. Yeah, I often say that um, just because as a food photographer, I just, I, I, I really am in awe of this. And I feel this just even when I chop potatoes, or I feel I've said this a lot, people who listen regularly have heard this, but if food was only beautiful, and a lot of food is as beautiful as one of the most, you know, any of the most intricate flowers. If food was only beautiful, that would be enough, right? It's enough with flowers. If it was only nutritious, that would be enough. We need these nutrients. They fit our body. You know, if it was only delicious that would be enough. We eat things because they're all three. But food that comes from the earth is beautiful and nutritious and delicious. And And to me, to work with and eat that food is receiving a gift of God.
1: It truly, it truly is. I think you said it so well. Mm. And that's how I, when I think of food, even when mm. I close my eyes, mm. I see I can see my mother cooking, mm. I can see my father eating, I can hear my aunts. They are, they are sometimes it's weird, it's hard to explain. Because mm. I'll be in my kitchen, thousands of miles away from home, mm. and I'm making a particular thing. I'll tell my husband, I'm like, I swear, it's almost like I can feel my mom brushing against me. My parents have been wow, dead for so a while. Wow. But this is how powerful. Food and for anybody, this is what I pray for anybody who touches mm-hmm. my book or anybody who listens to me, that food should be something that they invest time in, mm-hmm. how they eat, how they feed their kids, mm-hmm. what they teach their kids. Because food, as you said, brings all the pieces in, in life in such a holistic way, it makes you happy. It mm-hmm. nourishes your body. It mm-hmm. connects you to your neighbor. There is mm-hmm. nothing truly
0: mm-hmm.
1: that food cannot do. There it's really true. is nothing. You can, you can learn about a whole different culture.
0: It's true. Absolutely. That's, food. absolutely. That's what this whole podcast is devoted to. There's no
1: conversation
0: that you can't have when you start with food. I mean, we've even had theological conversations on this, on this podcast. There's no conversation that you can't have. It doesn't mean it's always appropriate to have everyone, but there's no conversation you can't have when you start with food. Mm. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I'm going to have to text the carpool mom and tell her I'm gonna, I'm
1: going to be late. Oh no, but thank but you, thank you it. so much. Thank oh. you. God bless. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, thank
0: Agatha. You. Before we go, it's okay. The kids are going to be fine. Tell everyone and of course I will put this in the show notes. Tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find um your cookbook.
1: Oh, thank you. So, before I end, I I want to give just this gentle reminder. Mm. Food It's not the enemy. Mm. Food is your friend. You just Mm. have to find the right way to make it Mm. that you like and find the foods that really fit your unique lifestyle, things Mm. that mature your body. You can find me on the social Mm streets. It's Agatha Achindu, or you can Mm. go to my website,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. agathaachindu.com. Okay, and you can get my my book, which I pray you go get. Mm. Highly Cookie. recommend. Mm-hmm. Yes, bountiful books yes. are sold.
0: Okay, okay, and we'll put plenty of links um yes. in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can go to those show notes and find them right now. Agatha, what a just absolute pleasure to talk to you. I feel uh, I feel more grateful ending this conversation and. Gratitude is a, it's just a wonderful way to live life, really.
1: Yeah, thank you. I i feel, you don't know how this blessed me. The fact that you've really, you've read, like you're reading it. Oh, yes. Blessed me beyond words. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: It's my privilege. Have a wonderful afternoon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye again, ways to connect with Agatha, ways to explore her services, and definitely ways to buy her book are right there in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I would like to ask you again, very humbly, would you please kindly leave a five-star review on uh, the the uh, podcast player of your choice. It really does help me out quite a bit. Um, If you scroll down to the bottom of the show notes, there's a link right there. You can just click the link and um, the best place for you to leave a review for the device that you're on right now will automatically open up and you can do that. Thank you as always for your support and have a great week, my friends.